In the name of the Father, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Let us read some verses from Matthew chapter 12, starting from verse 18. Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him and he will declare justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel nor cry out, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoking flax he will not quench, till he sends forth justice to victory, and in his name Gentiles will trust. Glory be to God forever. Amen. These verses are prophecy about our Lord Jesus Christ, but also these verses give us comprehensive vision about the service and what God is expecting from us as servants. The first point, the service is calling, not a choice. As the Lord said here, Behold my servant whom I have chosen. So God chooses the servant, and God calls the servant. As we see in the 12 apostles and in the 70, God is the one who called them and showed them and appointed them. No one should come and say, I want to serve. But when God is calling us to serve, no one should decline. Again, no one should, should come forth and say, I want to serve. But on the other side, when God calls me to the service, I should not decline. And God calls through the channels in the church. Like when God called uh, Paul and Barnabas, we read in the book of Acts, while they were praying, the Holy Spirit spoke in the hearts of the leaders of the church. Appoint Barnabas and Paul for the ministry to which I have called them. But whom actually God will choose? Whom God will choose? The answer in the second point, Behold my servant, whom I have chosen, 
my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. When the soul of God is pleased with a person, then God can entrust this person to serve his children. Because the service means I will be in charge of the children of God to serve them and to give them their food in the due season. Food means spiritual food. So the person first should please God. And when actually the person pleases God, God will call him to his service. That's why when people actually come to service without pleasing God and were not called by God, these people cause hurt and damage to the service more than benefit. So the question here to all of us, am I pleasing God in my ways? I'm sure God, when he chose Judas at the beginning, Judas, his ways pleased God. But gradually, he drifted and let the love of money enter his heart. So he did not continue to please God. It is not important only to please God before I am, I am chosen, but to continue pleasing God after I am chosen to be a servant. We can see many people walk godly until they are chosen to be Sunday school servant or any other rank to be a monk or to be a priest or bishop or whatever. And then after they are called, gradually they drift away without noticing. So it is important to continue pleasing God after I'm chosen to be a servant. The third point, I will put my spirit upon him. The service is the ministry of God, and we do it by his power, not by our abilities or our experience. St. Paul, who was very eloquent, he told the people in Corinth, when I did not, when I came to you, I did not come with the persuasive word of human wisdom. I did not use with you persuasive words of human wisdom. Why? Because I don't want your faith to be based on the human wisdom, but to be by the power of the Spirit. That's why the Lord said, I will put my Spirit upon him. Before his ascension to heaven, 
The Lord said to the disciples, Don't depart from Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. They could not start service till the Holy Spirit descended upon them. So again, as a Sunday school servant, I usually, all the time, should ask the Holy Spirit to fill me. Before I speak, I can lift my heart to God, asking the Holy Spirit to put the words in my mouth. In visitation, when I prepare a lesson, in anything I'm doing in service, I should ask the Holy Spirit to guide me, to lead me. Service should be done by the, lead, by the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Then he said, and he will declare justice to the Gentiles. Although Jesus Christ was Jewish man according to the birth, but he did not come to the Jews only. He came to every single person in the world. That's why he said here, uh, I will declare, he will declare justice to the Gentiles. Gentiles are the non-Jewish people. In the same way as a servant, I am not only servant to my class, but I should actually demonstrate the truth and the justice of God to everybody. Some of us, they take a certain uh, style or behavior in front of their class in hypocrite, hypocritical way. But away from their class, they act totally different, as if they are two different personalities. A godly, saintly person in front of his class, but in school or with his peers, or his own inner room between him and himself only, he's a totally different person. There is no integrity in his life. But if I understand as a servant I'm representing God, either in my school, in my work, with my family, in front of my class, with my neighbors, anywhere I go, anywhere I go, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. I am not only servant to my class. Verse 19, he will not quarrel. Will not quarrel means he is a peacemaker. He is a peacemaker. Some servant it makes contention and conflict very difficult to deal with them. They are stubborn, opinionated, arrogant. They want to 
control everything and everything done in their own way. That's why there is tension all the time. Tension between two servants together, between a servant and coordinator, servants and abuna. But the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of all, the God of everyone, he was not quarreling, mean he was a peacemaker. A person that you feel comfort and easiness when you deal with him. Easy to deal with, easy to speak with. Some people who bring them in, they cause problems. Some people, you bring them in and there's already problems and they make peace. Are you a peacemaker or troublemaker? Which one can describe you to be a servant of the Lord? Does not quarrel, nor cry out. People cry sometimes to control. So like in any discussion, if I want to control the, the, the discussion, I will scream, I will cry, so people will hear me. And maybe they will get afraid, so everybody will comply. Nor cry out means meekness, gentleness. Are we gentle and meek? The Lord told us, learn from me, because I am gentle and of lowly heart. One of the fruit of the Spirit is gentleness. If you are filled with the Spirit, then you will be gentle. Unfortunately, some people, when they defend uh, even when they defend the truth, they are not gentle in defending the truth. And they use wrong way in their defense of the, cru of the truth. I want to tell you a very important principle. Satan will not drive away another Satan or another demon. Demon will not drive away another demon. Meaning, the demon of anger will not drive away the demon of falsehood. So if you are defending a certain principle or a certain doctrine, but while you are defending this, you are angry and cursing and labeling the other people with bad names. This is not from the Holy Spirit. Definitely, 
cursing is not from the Holy Spirit. And the anger of man does not fulfill the righteousness of God. So, demon does not drive away another demon. Don't use wrong way to correct something wrong. You need to be gentle. Even when you correct somebody, you need to be gentle. Does not cry out. So he will not quarrel nor cry out, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. Means he is humble. When there is a meeting and somebody you don't hear his voice. That is the humble person. Because he is listening to everybody to learn. And because of his humbleness, he doesn't speak. One time, a group of monks visited St. Anthony the Great. And in this discussion, everybody was speaking and talking except one person. He was silent. So St. Anthony asked him, why are you silent? Everybody else is talking. So in humbleness, he told him, it is enough for me to see your face, my father. So he was looking at the face of St. Anthony, shining with glory, listening to the discussion, and he is satisfied. A true humble person. A true humble person. So verse 18 spoke about the calling of the ministry. It is calling from God to those who please the God, and God will empower them with his Holy Spirit in order to preach justice to everybody. That's verse 18. Verse 19, about the quality of the servant. He is a peacemaker, gentle, and humble. Verse 20, about how he does his service. How he does his service. A bruised reed he will not break. If you see a reed that's bruised, you will say there is no benefit from it. And you will throw it away. But a true servant, when he sees a bruised reed, he will have compassion on, on, on this reed. He will see a soul that is broken, suffering. The person will have compassion and mercy. 
He will not judge or condemn this reed. Rather, out of the compassion, he will try to support it. To see how this bruised reed to be supported and to be healed. When the Lord Jesus Christ saw the multitude scattered like sheep with no flock, can read this in Matthew chapter 9. What did he do? He went to the mountain, spent all day and all night in prayer. Then in the morning, he called the 12 disciples and sent to them to serve the, the people. These people who were scattered like sheep with no shepherd were like bruised reeds. But the Lord did not say, they are hopeless. I will start with new generation. No. He prayed all night for them and for the ser their servants. Then he appointed the twelve, and after some time he appointed the seventy to serve this bruised reed. When you find a problem with one of your class, it's very easy just to cross him out and don't think about it, to avoid him. But a true servant will pray and start to think how he can help this bruised reed to be supported, strengthened, and get healed. Then he said, and a smoking flax he will not quench. This is about encouragement. A smoking flax, when you add oil and then you blow in this flax, it will light up again. So, how to encourage our people? Smoking flags mean they are burned out. In our service, we will meet people who are traumatized, broken, like the bruised reed. And we will find also other people who are burned out. Maybe burned out because they are struggling against sin and until now they are defeated. Burned out because the stress and the anxiety of their school and life and work and family and and. When in the candle that's lit by oil, the flax became smoking when there is no enough oil, that's why it starts to die. So you need to add oil, and then you blow in it, and it will lit up again. In the same way, the oil here is the oil of the Holy Spirit. You need to encourage this person to be filled with the Spirit. And you encourage him support him 
until the fire of the Holy Spirit will be kindled in his heart. So these are two important elements in how we do our ministry. Compassion and mercy on the bruised reed and encouragement and support on the smoking flax. When we do this, then till he sends forth justice to victory. So when we do this, actually, we will declare the justice and the justice and the truth will be victorious. Justice in other translations is the truth, al-haq. Why our goal in ministry is to bring justice to victory? Because the truth will set us free. As the Lord said, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. Our ministry is to declare the truth to others and to defend the truth, the divine truth. And our tools here to defend the truth is meekness, gentleness. Because our weapons are not carnal weapons, but spiritual weapons. If you study the reformers in the scripture and in our contemporary time, like in the scripture, the personality of Nehemiah, how he was able to bring justice to victory. He supported the bruised reed. The people were broken. The people in Israel, in Jerusalem, were actually in despair. But he supported them and he told them, God of heaven will give us victory. And we, his children, will rise up and build. And when he found people, these three opponents want to fight with him, he avoided them. He avoided them. And Nehemiah was able actually to build the wall of Jerusalem and to restore Jerusalem back after it was destroyed by the enemies. He was able to bring forth justice to victory. And in our contemporary time, Archdeacon Habib Gerges, he served in a time 
as Pope Shenouda used to describe him, there was darkness in the church. And Habib Gerdes came to be the light to shine in this darkness. These are the words of Pope Shenouda. He said, there was darkness on earth, and God said, let light shine, and this light was Habib Gerges. Habib Gerges, he served without quarreling, without crying out, without making his voice heard in the streets, in gentleness, in meekness, in peace. And he was able to reform the Holy Church. One person, one person, but he was filled with the Holy Spirit. That's why he was able to reform the Holy Church. Then to bring justice to victory, you need to do it in meekness, in compassion, in gentleness, and justice actually will be victorious at the end. Then the Lord said, uh, or the prophecy about the Lord, verse 21, it is our goal. So if verse 18, about the calling of the service, this verse 19, the characteristic of the servant, verse 20, how we do our service, verse 21, which is the last verse, is the goal. In his name, Gentiles will trust. So, the goal actually is how to build this confidence in the name of God. That's the goal of ministry. If every person in our class start to trust God, trust his promises, trust his word, you may tell me, yes, all of us who trust God, in reality, not, not so. Not all of us who trust God. For example, we don't trust his promises because Satan cast doubts in our hearts about his promises. When the Lord told, I will never leave you or forsake you, usually Satan tried to portray God as the one who is neglecting us, not caring for us, leaving us, forsaking us, which is not true. Do we trust that God is with me, even if I cannot see him, even if I cannot uh, feel his presence? Let, let me tell you something uh, interesting here. Recently, uh, I start to use uh, the, what's he called, dehumidifier to take the humidity from the air. 
And I was surprised that in less than 12 hours, this uh, jar that collected the water is filled completely with water. So this water actually was in the atmosphere. And the dehumidifier took this water, precipitated, collected in this. I did not feel the presence of the water around me with this huge amount in this small time. What I'm trying to tell you, some people say, I don't feel the presence of God because you don't see it. You don't see him as, or you don't feel his presence. But this doesn't mean God does not present around you. No, God exists around you. As I did not realize the huge amount of water around me in, in, in the air. But God exists around us. Do you trust his promises? We trust physics when they tell us there is H2O around us, we, we, we believe physics, but we don't believe the promises of God. Satan also cast it out all the time. God does not love you. Yes, th these promises are true, but not for you, because you are a bad person. These promises are for those who love God. This promise when he said, everything will work out for good to those who love God does not apply on you, to you. Because you don't love God. That's what Satan actually is doing all the time. And we believe Satan and we don't believe God. Most of us, we have doubt that God loves us or cares about us. And we feel we are not worthy. Yes, we are not worthy, but let me tell you, when God loves us, God does not love us based on our worthiness. He loves us because he is good and lover of mankind. He loves you whether you are good or bad. Because he is love. Trust God. Trust in his name. The Bible tells us about the name of the Lord is like a huge tower to which the righteous will run and is safe. You know when there is a hurricane and you want to find a shelter and you go into this shelter, you are safe. The name of the Lord is more than this. If you want to be safe, run to the name of the Lord. This publican who entered the temple to pray, he was unworthy. And he realized his unworthiness. But he put his trust on God. That's why he beat his chest and said, God have mercy upon me, a sinner. 
God have mercy upon me, a sinner. And he went his home justified. So that is the goal of, of ministry. In his name, Gentiles will trust. You cannot make your student, your class to trust God if you yourself have your own doubts about God. But when you yourself trust God, then you will be able to convey this trust to your children. So these verses, although they are a prophecy about our Lord Jesus Christ, but as we see, they paint a comprehensive and a complete vision about ministry. Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him and he will declare justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel nor cry out nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoking flax he will not quench, till he sends forth justice to victory. And in his name the Gentiles will trust. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.